0: The following sermon was recorded live at Foundation Church of Fredericksburg in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia. Good morning, guys. So glad to see y'all. All All right, all right. Well, like Bobby said, my name is Carrie. If you guys could please take out your Bible or smartphone and turn to Psalms chapter 29. Uh, That's what we'll be covering today, like he said. I'm going to be reading it in ESV. In just a moment, in the meantime, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about myself. Uh, My wife and I have been married two and a half years, and we have two children under two. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So it was a struggle just getting here, you know what I mean? (laughs) And we left on time. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, I also serve on staff at Pillar Church of Dumfries. My specific role is to uh, learn as much as I can about church planning, meanwhile work at Pillar Dumfries, and then Lord willing, start a new church specifically in Norfolk, Virginia, in about a year-ish from now. Um, I'm learning as I go along this process that there's a lot of things that got to be done to uh, get a church started. But anyway, to make it clear, August 2023 is when we want to do public services in in Norfolk. And I even, I commend Bobby for saying it the right way, because there's a way to say Norfolk, Um, but it sounds bad if I say it. So I'm going to, we can talk about it after. Anyway, <laughs> um I'm here and I'm honored to be here um because of the aspiration I see of what God did with Bobby to see know that what 7 years ago that the Lord brought him here and started a church. I want to see the Lord work the same way in that area. Not to say that there's not other healthy churches there, but we want to continue uh the great commission. And so with that said, um, I got my work cut out for me. Uh, Bobby is an exceptional preacher. I got to uh, see a little bit of that as we talked over the psalm this week. I mean, within like 10 minutes, he basically had a sermon ready. I was like, man, this guy right here, he's, he's good, he's good. So my prayer, even as I speak, is that I would be faithful to God's word in that way, that we would drink deep from uh, God's word and knowing that it's so powerful, so rich. So with that said, please join me in prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you uh, for your word, specifically Psalm 29, uh, ascribe unto the Lord glory due to his name. God, there is none like you. It says the heavens proclaim the glories of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Lord, we want to see that in this text. Lord, we want to also see that Lord, as we as we gaze up upon the stars, Lord, and see your, Lord, your glory, knowing that you count the stars, just like you count the hairs on our heads, knowing that, Lord, there's none like you, that you're above all. God, I pray that you uh, let this be like a Bible study, that's a sermon, Lord, that's good for the soul, Lord, food for the soul, soul food. Lord, one that fills the heart up. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So this is God's word, Psalms 29. It says, ascribe to the Lord O oh, heavenly beings ascribe to the Lord glory and strength ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness ascribe of the Lord excuse me the voice of the Lord is over the waters the glo- the god of glory thunders the Lord over many waters the voice of the Lord is powerful the voice of the Lord is full of majesty the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So here's the summary of that psalm: Give God the glory he deserves. If you're taking notes, you can write that. Give God the glory he deserves. Give God all the credit That he's due. And as we review Psalm 29, we're gonna see two reasons for this. Number one, we're gonna see it's because he's supreme over creation, from the smallest creation on earth all the way up to the largest. And then secondly, we're gonna see it in the fact that he's tender to his children. So let's start by unpacking the first point. Give God the glory he deserves because he's supreme over. Creation. Now, I know when when I say creation, you guys naturally might think to yourself um, something like oceans and mountains and trees and such, things that we naturally see in, in nature, but I wanna take our gaze up past that. It says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. So when we're talking about creation, we're including angels. They're the first ones told to give God the glory. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. It's a direct command to all angelic beings to give Him the glory due to His name. And the second half of verse one tells us why. It says, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So give credit to God because of His unequivocal glory and strength. Give credit to God because he is more glorious than any other angel he created. Give credit to God because he's stronger than any other angel he created, including Satan. He's the alpha over all spiritual beings. And it's so apparent that it can be seen in nature itself. Let's go to verse three through nine. We're going to see it. Now, I want to take a step back. I want to get real with y'all. It's going to feel like we're going to be going through an exquisite buffet of food but the problem is when we got so much time to actually take all these morsels of, of good soul food and put it on the plate to eat. So bear with me, we're gonna try to go through them, but um, long story short, there's good homework for you to, to go home and do as you take time to, to go through this psalm. So let's start at verse four. It says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. When you zoom out of, uh, and look at Psalm 29 as a whole, we notice that something's going on. It says the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. There's a repetition there. It says it seven times to be exact. This is very important. The psalmist is trying to point us to something. He's trying to show us something. And he broadly shows it to us, which is the fact that he's supreme over all creation. Go to verse five, it says, um, this gives us an example of God's power. It says his voice breaks the cedars of Lebanon. So these are behemoth-sized trees that can reach over 100 feet tall and 8 feet in diameter. For perspective's sake, that's the equivalent of a blue whale, right? And it's also the width of Shaq, the NBA player, for anyone who's familiar with him. Yeah. Um, So the Lord is saying he breaks these gigantic trees, multiple of them with the sound of his voice. He breaks them like a twig. He snaps them in half. So the Lord's voice is overwhelmingly powerful. And that same power applies to the mountains. One of nature's most striking displays we have. You see, I'm gonna get into explaining mountains a little bit. It took me some time to research this. Um, I'm not an expert uh, on rocks or anything like that. But when you you have two continental plates, they collide, they crumble, and then uh, they're forced to form a mountain range, right? Now, as they form, it grows taller and taller and taller till we have what we see as a mountain. Now, uh, there's two mountains presented in our text. I'm only going to speak about one of them. It's Mount Sirion, which is also known as Mount Hermon. It's in Syria. It's covered in snow year-round. It towers above sea level over 9,000 feet and is over 600 acres wide. And at the sound of God's voice, this mountain rises up and sways back and forth like a young wild ox. Now, I know that's just a simile, but we're comparing a mountain in Syria with a young wild ox. What a picture. That's telling us that God's voice is so powerful that the equivalent of what we know as a mountain acts like an ox in front of him. It it can't stay still. God's voice is that powerful. So I want to take a moment now and, and let's just take out like a a little bit more of a delicate brush to paint this picture of how powerful God's voice is. Look at verse nine. It says it's talking about deer here. Now you guys live in Fredericksburg, so I'm pretty sure you see a healthy amount of deer around here. You know, I'm sure maybe some people might eat a little venison in here or something like that. Um, So, so I'm not gonna tell you nothing new about them. They're graceful. They're, They're long legged mammals that can run up to 30, miles per hour. And in the U.S. alone, it's estimated that there's over 25 million of them. In Virginia, we have between 850,000 to a million. And verse 9 says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. God's voice is responsible for the 25 million deer we have in the U.S. right now. And God handles the birth process so intricately. I want to tease this out a little bit. It takes a deer over 12 hours to give birth. But God fashioned them in such a way that they can actually press pause on the birth process when it's disrupted by a predator or when they feel threatened. How amazing is that? Now, I know, you know, based on my wife going through her recent uh, labor process, it would be nice if the, the moms could have this too, right? But it really just speaks to how amazing God is. And then where is God as he speaks? Where does he call all the shots from? Verse 10 says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Now, we know floods are an overflow of water. They move away from their natural base. That's what makes it a flood. We don't think of them as natural seeding. But even though what to us looks like something devastating, to God, it's like carpet. He sits above it. And it's not just a figure of speech. This is speaking to uh, the worst Uh, issue in human history in regards to a flood, it's going back to, it's alluding to Genesis chapter 6. This is when that flood came on the earth. It filled the entire earth, drowning all life, just short of Noah, his immediate family, and the animals God saw fit to have on the boat, a boat that was just short of two football fields long. So, This Lord is enthroned over that flood, which is telling us that he's in complete control. It is the Lord who sent that rain for the flood in Genesis 6. He's the one that opened up um, the depths of the earth to fill the earth with water. And then he eventually stopped that same flood. So this imagery is telling us God rules everything. He is king over all creation, everything obeys at the sound of his voice. Now, I know that's not hard for any of us to to know or remember, I I think we would all generally agree. So here's the questions for us. How does that theological truth that God is supreme over all creation line up against our tendency to wanna rely on ourselves for self-sufficiency? How are we doing with giving God all the credit he's due? Not just some of the time, but all the time. It reminds me of that Psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How are we doing with that? Is there a ton of generosity when we give God glory? Or is there a little bit of stinginess with it? See, brothers and sisters, Scripture says this, Everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. I'll say that again. Everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. As a result, we have a command, just like the angels, to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Give God all the credit he's due glorify god when we look at a tree recognizing its maker glorify god for our health to work for the food we have to eat and the homes we live in glorify god he deserves all the glory ascribe to the lord glory and strength ascribe to the lord glory due to his name so let's recap a little bit we just talked about how god deserves all the glory And we reviewed the first reason for it, which is the fact that he's supreme over all creation. So now let's look at the second point. Give God the honor he deserves because he is tender to his children. Now that statement alone is like honey for the soul, especially in light of what we just talked about with God being supreme over absolutely everything. Now let's unpack God's tenderness through the text for some more Honey. Now we know God is all he's majestic, he's powerful. It's seen in his voice. His voice. With his voice he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. He is strong and powerful, yet he is also kind. And there's a couple of reasons that we have for this. Now, number 1, when you zoom out of this psalm and look at it in its entirety, you we know that this is This piece of literature is a God-given message that gives exposure to the kind of king God is. By the power of God's spirit, the message about God was penned through the psalmist, and we have it in plain sight. We can see it, we can study it, we can ponder it, and we can praise God for it. That is very kind of God. He wants us to know that he's majestic and powerful, yet also tender. Our second indicator comes from verse 11, where we'll see, excuse me, we're going to focus on the essence of that verse. It says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. You see, God allowed the psalmist to witness a glimpse of God's earth-shattering strength and power over nature. But God also gives the psalmist the wisdom to make a request after witnessing God's Supremacy, rather than cowering from God. Let's look at that request a little deeper. It says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So there are two requests being made. The first is for strength. This wasn't a request for just physical strength. It's a request for spiritual strength to continue trusting God at his word and to continue making requests to God, to continue making requests to the God who breaks the cedars of Lebanon, makes Mount Sirion skip like a young wild ox and makes the deer give birth. Verse 11 is our indicator that we can approach God and make requests to him, knowing that he's tender to his children. This verse is showing us that God wants us to make requests to him, And so the Thomas is basically telling us, jump in the waters warm. And Philippians four, verse six, excuse me, reiterates that message. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Your requests, my requests because God has no thresholds on the requests he can take from his children. He's tender to them. So as God's children, we have the same access as the psalmist to, to the God who breaks the cedars of Lebanon and give, makes the birth give dear. And that's good news. It really leaves us speechless. What can be said of such an immense God who's supreme over creation, yet tender to us, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. But how can we be sure of that? How can we be certain that the water is warm, so to speak? How do we know we can get in God's presence and make requests to him? What assurance do we have that he will not be harsh with us? Well, those questions can be answered through the second part of verse 11. It says, may the Lord bless his people with peace. That request for peace was acknowledged and accepted by God when he sent his son, Jesus, to be placed on a cross to die for us. For the psalmist sins my sins your sins so the one who breaks the cedars of lebanon who flashes forth flame of fire from his voice and who shakes the wilderness of kadesh we need to know he doesn't deal with sin lightly the way he deals with with sin with trespasses offenses against them is they deserve death so what, what what kind of sins could there be? Well, it's sins where we thought we were self-sufficient from God, sins where we were indifferent towards him, or when we were even downright rebellious towards him. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts to how he deals with sin. But we see that God is tender because he brought his son on earth to be a sacrifice for our sin. And not only that, Jesus died, he rose again, and was resurrected so that Now God sees us as innocent before him. He doesn't see our sins anymore. That is kindness beyond measure. So we can be sure that this water is warm. God is a kind king. He will not deal with his children harshly. We can make request after request to him without fear. He'll listen. He cares. He'll answer. He won't leave us or forsake us. He's a tender and kind king. Now, I know there might be some in the room that feel a little bit different about that message. Maybe it's more comforting to think that the water is a little cold. Maybe God can seem a little bit distant. Maybe he seems distant in how he interacts with the world or even deal well with the world. Maybe he didn't help when you wanted him to help. Maybe you made a prayer that he didn't answer that you, excuse me, answer the way you want answered, but God is near and he's tender. We've seen that in, in this word today, God spoke it through the psalmist. It's in Psalm 29 and God's speaking through me, who's preaching the word. So it's okay to let down your offenses towards God. He offers peace that surpasses all understanding. So I urge you, let him in if you haven't done so already. Now, for the children of God, how are we going to go about ascribing to the Lord glory due to his name? Well, we're going to do that through verse two. It says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, mind you, I know the heart can be a little bit like a ship. Sometimes it can take time for it to turn in course, especially since we have a lot of things distracting us and that are telling us, hey, ascribe glory to whatever that thing is. But here's our game plan. Ponder, pray, praise. I'll say that again. Ponder, pray, praise. See, take this psalm right here and ponder on it. Ponder on who God is in light of this verse. Ponder on his majesty. Ponder on his power. Ponder on his glory. Ponder on his holiness. Ponder on his voice. Ponder, ponder, ponder. I hope you guys go to sleep tonight, hear my voice, ponder. (laughs) But seriously, ponder. Um, Ponder on your way home as you drive. Ponder as you're about to wash dishes. And then pray. Pray earnestly. Pray sincerely. Pray consistently. Pray relentlessly. Pray in the morning. Pray in the evening. Pray what you've been pondering. And here's what happens. It builds this funnel. It builds this funnel that leads to the praise. You start to praise God for what you've been pondering on. You're you're praising God for his majesty. You're praising God for his voice. You're praising God for his tenderness. You're praising God for his care. You're praising God for his power. You're praising God that you get to meet him face to face. You're praising God because there is none like him. You're praising God because you can call him father. So that's what I want to leave you guys with. Ponder, pray, praise. That's how we will ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name and worship the Lord for the splendor of his holiness. Let us pray. Father, we want to give you the glory you deserve. And see, Lord, in, in verse 11, it's clear we can't do it on our own. We have to ask for help. And God, we, we want the help. God, we want the help so that we can uh, think about Psalms 27, 4, where it says, one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek most is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in his perfections and meditating in his temple for he will conceal me there when troubles come, he will hide me in his sanctuary. We, Lord, we wanna pray like that. We want to have, Lord, a deeper hunger for you. Lord, we want to see you as the voice above all voices and go to you, Lord, as such. Lord, um, think of you as such. Lord, have affections for you as such. God, but we need your help to do it. Lord, may you give your people strength. Lord, may you bless your people with peace. Lord, we also pray for those that, that might not know you, Lord, that that are on the fence or even far away from the fence. God, here's the thing, Lord, you jump over the fence. Lord, you don't wait for us. You come to us, Lord. And so I pray that you do that with whoever needs to be dealt with in that way. Lord, because you are kind, you are gracious, you are tender, as it says in this passage, Lord, and you are very patient. So God, in You are patient, Lord. You are merciful, Lord. And we pray that another person would know this today, that they would know all the depths of the riches of the glory of God. How unsearchable are your judgments? How inscrutable are your ways? We pray that people would know that, Lord. We pray that that the ones that know that, Lord, that they would continue to know that deeper. Lord, that, that know how marvelous you are, how powerful you are, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All sermons are released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no-derivative 3.0 license. If you would like to learn more or listen to past sermons, please visit us at foundationfxbg.com.